So Mark just put us through this very long series, the I Am David series. If, if, if you caught all of the I Am David series, it was so encouraging, and it, it just lifted me up. And it was like, you know, we took a different perspective through the life of David where we could see, you know, when you grew up in Sunday school and you heard these Bible stories about David, you were like, David the warrior, David the giant slayer, David the king, and you heard all these great, wonderful things, and that's what we want to teach our children, right? We want to teach our children these great, wonderful things. But as we get older, we have to really dive deep into this text and take a look at what's going on, and we realize some of the errors that David had made. And, uh, you know, we looked on the journey of David at all these things that were very pleasing to God. David did things that were pleasing to God. David was obedient to God, and, and, and God called David a man after his own heart. But we also got to see some, a, a couple of decisions that David made that were not so pleasing to God, some of which created devastation within his household that never ended. You know, um, first there was the sword will never leave your house. And the second was, you know, you, you pick the choice. You remember Pastor talked about this in the Whisper of Pride when David took the census just last week. And, you know, but something happened. Something happened within the history of Israel that created destruction, absolute destruction. So I titled this Rebuilding because before something can be rebuilt, it has to be built, and then it has to be torn down, damaged, broken, However, you know, something has to happen before you can rebuild it. And um, so I wanted to talk about a little bit of Jewish history. And I brought the whiteboard up, and I thought, um, you know, I, I had a couple pastors that I would watch, and they, they drew on the whiteboard, and sometimes it was so interactive. And if you notice in your notes today, I left one side of the sheet blank, and you'll have the ability to turn it sideways and maybe follow along and do a little diagram that I'm going to draw up here. Um, because I learned quite a lot of things. Uh, I recently just finished an Old Testament survey class through, uh, through Foursquare's Western Ministry Institute, and I learned some stuff that I have read through this text. You know, I have read the Old Testament, the New Testament. I have read it cover to cover. I've gone through this stuff. I've highlighted Bibles. I've given them away to people. I've got new Bibles. I've gone through this literature, but I learned a couple things that I never picked up the first few times going through the text. And that's how God's word is alive and amazing and abundantly always feeding us. Every time I open God's word and read something, I get something new from it. And so what we're going to talk about before we talk about rebuilding is what happened and how this kingdom divided. Because there was a division that took place in Israel. A division that I did understand the first few times that I've read through the Old Testament but I never really understood what I'm going to talk about also takes place. And maybe it'll be new to you, and maybe it won't. You'll look at me and say, Chris, I learned that in seventh grade, and I'm going to, I'm going to nod and applaud you, and uh, I'll let you come up and teach because I'm going to listen to you. No, um, You know, we're going to look at when and why things spun out of control. Why did the kingdom of Israel become divided? Because all this takes place right after David. And when I say right after David, you're talking about, you know, many, many years. But when you look at a biblical timeline, this was not many, many years. This was right after King David. So, you know, and God warned us, right? I, I wrote this note here. Notice how God has always provided a warning label on life and our decisions. He has been doing this since the beginning. Here, 
Here you go, Adam. You guys have everything. Just don't touch this. this. There's a warning label on everything, right? God has always provided us. You know, before there was a law, there were rules. That was the rule. Don't touch this tree. You know, and, and we all know that commonality would be, you know, before there was a written law that said to murder was murder and that it was sin, I think that we knew in our conscience that to kill was not okay. You know, so what I wanted to draw here is a little bit of an Old Testament timeline. Now, if you're at home and this is blocked out from the lights, I'm really sorry. It might not be. I'm going to hope it's not. So, so this is a really neat way if you want to learn something deep about the Old Testament because I think that when you read the Old Testament, well, I don't think. When you read the Old Testament, it is not in chronological order. I know that many of you are aware of that, but there's a lot of different ways it's, it's written. So I like to do this. It's going to be, anybody follow football? Well, you might not follow it, but we all are aware of what a field goal post is. So the Old Testament looks like, the, the entire Bible looks like a field goal post on its side. So let me show you how it looks here. It runs along over here, okay? You can draw this if you like, and then there's this cut here. And then this guy goes to about here, and this guy goes to about here, and then there's a gap, and then there's this, and then there's this. Okay? So let me come over here. Now the camera might lose me unless I move this over. Beginning... This is where creation happens, all this right here. Adam, Eve, the garden, all of this is happening. God's creation of time. Now, my uh, diagram may not be perfectly accurate because I didn't bring out a ruler to scale this, but I'm just going to show you here that in about, about right here, we'll say this is about 2100 B.C., okay? 2100 B.C., here's Abraham. Abraham's in 2100 B.C. So I'm giving you a visual of what's going on with this timeline. So right here is 1500. This is about the time of, whoops. This is about the time of Moses right here. 1500, Moses. We believe Moses was born 1526. Moses is born. So there's a timeline from Abraham to Moses. And then you remember there's 400 years that happened where there are, no, not 400 years, 40 years that they wander in the desert. So in this timeline between Abraham and Moses, and then you can imagine Joshua, the people cross the river, the people go into the promised land, all these things going on. Now, another four to 500 years passes, and we get to 1050, about right here. 1050, this is when Saul becomes king. Okay? So... Remember that God had warned the people, we want a king. And he said, you don't want a king. You don't want a king. Let me be your king. But they still said, we want a king, right? Notice how everything comes with a warning label, okay? Let's take a look at all the kings that started from the beginning. So imagine here, so with Moses, Moses was the first judge over Israel, right? Moses was the, a judge and he made the decisions for the people, and then he broke it off, and they started building more people. And then Joshua was Israel's next judge and leader. And, uh, oh, I got a good, good stuff on, on Joshua, but I'm not going to go into that. I listened to this biblical teaching course yesterday, and I love what the pastor said. 
he said, say one thing 500 ways, not 500 things one way. And I know that I can get going and I can do 37 things up here one different way and I'm not going to do that anymore. Well, I'm going to work on it. You, you guys can critique me afterwards because I'm still pretty new. So, so right after Saul, we all know this is where Israel's like, okay, we want a king. We don't, we, yeah, God, you're up there and you're sovereign and you love us and you protect us and all these great things are happening, but we want a king. So they, Saul is the anointed king, right? Well, right, we all know that Saul finally made a decision, didn't wait for Samuel. Saul did the offerings and, and wanted to go to war, right? And Samuel was not happy. And that's when the spirit of the Lord left Saul. But remember then the next king is David. Okay, so David comes on the scene. And we just went through the I Am David series. So David comes on the scene. Now, now God says, now I've put a king in position, a man after my own heart. But we know that David made two bad decisions that came with warning labels because he already had the law at this point. First, he commits adultery with Bathsheba. She becomes pregnant. That first child dies. They have a second child. His name's Solomon. That's where we're going with this story. So even from David's sin with Bathsheba came our next king, Solomon. All right? Now, this is where the story is going to take a plot twist. So right here, you've got Solomon. It is during Solomon's reign, through Solomon's bad decision against God's warning, that Israel became a divided kingdom because of Solomon. Is everybody aware of that? Okay. So, I know you were, D. I knew you were. So, what happens here? Well, I'm going to show you. I'm going to briefly run you through it, and then we're going to go through some scripture and some points. And I'm not going to keep you here all day because I know I can get pretty long-winded. So, in 930 B.C., right here, this right here, that's where Israel divides. Israel divides. So there's a reason that Israel divided in 930. Now, I'll show you even what's further going on here. Now, maybe this is something that you were aware of in your Jewish history and in your Old Testament studies, but let me show you something. This top half here, this is the northern kingdom of Israel. So if you look at Israel, it's basically split right here. And Jerusalem's about right here. And Samaria's about right here. Jerusalem and Samaria were not very far apart. And it's funny that we say Samaria because you'll hear, you know, the story of Jesus and the good Samaritan and all that. Now, when you think of Samaria, you were like, well, who are the people there? Well, this was, this was truly Israel, right? This whole nation of Israel. But the people that were in Samaria during Jesus' time were different than the people who were in Samaria during this time. Why is that? Well, I'm going to tell you why. This northern was ten tribes. Now I'm going to give you a little more history. I don't know if you know this. There's ten tribes here and actually three tribes here. We well, say, Chris, that's 13 tribes. There's only 12 tribes of Israel. Well, I'm going to give you a really breakdown. Up here you had an east and a west Manasseh. And down here you had the, 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 uh, the children of uh, Simeon blended into Judah. And so the tribes of Judah, Simeon, and Benjamin were actually in the south, the southern kingdom. So what happens with this northern kingdom right here? Right here in 722 B.C., 
Exile happened. These people did not go to Babylon, which we all know about. In, in, you read the Bible many times. You're like, yeah, the children of Israel went 70 years to Babylon. That's correct. These people went 70 years into Babylon. These people left and never came back. When these people went away in 722 BC, they went to Assyria. Assyria was later dominated and beat down by Babylon, so there's a possibility that some of these tribes ended up still coming back. But the people who went back into this land after 722 BC were the people that the Assyrians sent back. So there was a big shift in who was living in this area after 722 BC. And if you've ever heard the phrase, the 10 lost tribes of Israel, this is it. Because when they went into captivity in 722 BC, there's nothing more in our Bible, in our Old Testament, that talks about them ever returning. They disappear. That's why they're called the, the lost tribes. So what you see here that I wrote, this little space, this is your 70-year captivity in Babylon. So down here, this is about 586 BC. 586 BC, that's when the destruction of Jerusalem and, and, and the temple. That's when... Finally, Jerusalem is overran, and Jerusalem, the city, is burned down by the Babylonians. And they did return after a couple rulers in uh, Babylon decided that, you know, with all the, the people, they said, let's let these people go back. You know, there were some people who were left behind, and we're going to cover it today. So I just wanted to give you that as an illustration and show you what's happening and what's going on there. Now, another cool thing that you think is, well, you know, I've read the Bible, and so basically, you've got... All your books of the beginning, the Pentateuch, you're moving up. You've read Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Then you get, into, uh, you get into Samuel. So with Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles. Well, the books of, I believe the book of Chronicles was written by the prophet Ezra. Ezra was a priest, but Ezra wrote that book here during this time. This is when Ezra wrote that book. Now, all the books after that are called Major and Minor Prophets. What is the difference between a major and a minor prophet, Chris? Nothing. The length of their book. That is the only difference. Some of these prophets wrote long books like Ezekiel, Daniel, and we call them major prophets. The other prophets' books, Obadiah, Hezekiah, you know, these books were so short, they would just been specified as minor prophets. There was nothing minor about them. Now, all those prophets that we're talking about, all their lives took place here and here. That's when all those things were going on. So this is kind of a, a breakdown of the Old Testament. Now, you've got to ask me this great question because I'm sure that most of you already know the answer. Chris, what's this little blip over here? That's the New Testament. <laughs> That's your New Testament. This is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the books of the epistles, the apostles, and the book of Revelation, right there in that little blip of time. All happened in less than 100 years. Think about it. Jesus is born around 0 or 3 B.C. They're not exactly certain of the time. Crucifixion around 31, 33 A.D. And then, obviously, the apostles that were with him, uh, you know, look at John. John would be the, one of the last books written when John wrote from Patmos, and that was around 90 A.D. Paul was already dead in the late 60s. He was put to death. So the New Testament takes place in this blip right here, 100 years. Okay? So... Right there, I just drew you the entire Bible in a quick timeline. So I thought for some of you who have never seen it this way before, this would be very neat. Mike, put the timeline up.
our code word was timeline. They do. Well, here's something weird about the electronics for those of you here and those of you at home. You'll notice it has this weird um, software glitch imagery around the edges of it. You just got to go point at it, Mike. It's under the sermon and press play. It's going to come up right now. <laughs> when the timeline comes up, we'll get to it. So the bullet points that we want to talk here about this kingdom division is that we live in this world where we leave here at church on Sunday and we go about our daily lives. You might go shopping after this. You might go to lunch after this. Who are we and what are we doing in those areas of our life? Who are you when you go home? I share that because I speak from experience. I have to ask myself some days, who am I when I go home, right? I'm a person just like the rest of you. I have good days. I have bad days. I have indifferent days. And I have days that I need God's grace and mercy. And I have days that I feel I don't deserve it. Something will come out of my mouth and I'll say, wow, I just said that. I'm pastor. I'm telling you, I struggle with these things just like everybody does. Obviously, as you can see from history here, let's take a look at this leader right here. What did this leader struggle with when he was leading the kingdom of Israel? Not only did he struggle with a lustful eye, but he actually followed it through. You know, it's like we are all humans. There is something to learn from every one of these characters in the Bible that is so empowering because we sit in church and we hear the stories in Sunday school and we're like, I want to be like Moses. I want to have that kind of lead. I want to do that. Well, you got to look at these people's flaws as well to realize you have the ability to be that person. And God has called you out. God didn't bring you here on Sunday by accident. Right? Amen? So, did we get the timeline? Just point and click at it on the left side under all your, your music and all that. And then click the play button. In the... Okay, let's get to bullet point number one. You guys let me know when it comes up, but follow the instructions of the Lord to the letter, right? I'm talking about follow it to the letter. Can anybody here say that you've never broken any of the commandments? No. Breaking it, saying it. How about this one? You're going to be able to make it through the rest of today? without breaking one of those commandments? Wow. Well, let's talk about sometimes some of these decisions. Now, we've got a sovereign God who sent a Savior to save us from this wreckage, right? Did we get it? Well, bullet point A was Solomon allowed his heart to turn from the Lord, right under number one, which was follow the instructions of the Lord to the letter. Now, I've got a scripture here that I'm going to read to you, and I didn't put it in the notes I didn't put it in the notes because it's so long, I would have given the guys in the back a hard time trying to go through each note. But the, the script, there's the timeline. See that graphic software? There you go. Take a look at that timeline. Now, now, I built this a while back for my class, and pretty much every historic event is on there. So as you can see, it's the sideways turned field goal post, what's going on. I have all the books of the Bible there. Uh, in the blue is the Pentateuch. In the gray is all the judges and the history that took place after starting with the book of Joshua. Um, in the yellowish 
uh, underneath is every book of the Bible in their timeline. In the green there, you have the kings of, I got to see it up close. Either way, both of those sets are the kings. There was 20 kings and 20 kings, although you'll see there are 19. Now, there's a discrepancy here, and I believe that the discrepancy is probably because Solomon and David were kings of those nations as well before there was a divisive split. But we're going to go over it. So 1 Kings 11, 1 through 13. I'm going to read this to you. Listen to what happens here in the story. But, I love when things start with but. I'm in sales, and I was taught by a manager one time to not use the word but, to use the word however. Because however sounds, you know, hey, you did a great job on that, but. Doesn't sound good. But if I say, hey, you did a great job on that, however, I'd try this. It's uplifting when you use the word however. So when the Bible uses such strong words as but, I love it. Because I know I'm about to learn something here. But King Solomon loved many foreign women as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. From the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, remember, follow the instruction of the, word, of the Lord of the letter, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. I love them. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. That's 1,000 women. 1,000 women. 1,000 women. Busy man, it took three years for them to have a date with the king. If you were special. 1,000 he gave his heart over to a thousand women. It's going to cost the kingdom. The kingdom. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. David at all times in his life his heart was loyal to God. Even in, even in the midst of his mistakes. David's heart was always loyal to God. That's why David repented. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. I never heard God say, I never heard the Bible say that David did evil in the sight of the Lord. Never heard that. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as, his father, as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, or Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Melech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. And had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. But he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this, and have not kept my covenant, and my statutes, which I have commanded to you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you, and give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days, for the sake of your father David. Because your dad loved me and was loyal to me his whole life, I won't do this to you, but it's going to happen after you. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. 
I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Again, notice how God always provided a warning label. Number two, don't take counsel from the wrong people. What are you talking about, Chris? Well, we're going to move along in the story here. I'm going to read the verses, Mike, before you go to the A or B. 1 King 12, 1 through 20. And Rehoboam, this was the son of Solomon, Rehoboam. I hope I say his name right. I'm going to have to learn uh, Hebrew and Greek and all that before I can start saying these right. Uh, and Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make him king. So this is right after Solomon's death. When Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard it, he was still in Egypt, for he had fled from the presence of King Solomon and had been dwelling in Egypt. They sent and called him. Then Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the burdensome service of your father and his heavy yoke which you put upon us, and we will serve you. So he said to them, Depart for three days, then come back to me. And the people departed. Now, I'm not going to read all the rest of this because it gets really long. But let me tell you what happened. Rehoboam consulted the elders, the wise council. We have a church council here. Rehoboam had consulted his father's church council that were still in place, men who had been with Solomon throughout his reign, men who knew what was going to be the right thing to do. He listened to these guys' advice, and he threw it to the side, and he went to his three buddies, okay? That's what I'm going to say. The three amigos who gave him horrible advice and told him to go back and say, if you thought my father's yoke was heavy, my finger's going to be heavier than that, and I'm going to tax you, and I'm going to make your lives a living hell. And because of that statement, it was God orchestrated because of what happened with Solomon when he said, I'm going to tear this kingdom from you. And because of that decision, the nation of Israel divided into two. That was where this nation divided. And Jeroboam, the man in the story, went on to become the king, Israel's first king in the division. So right here at the top of this point would be Jeroboam became the first king, and down here is Rehoboam. So, point A, consult your elders. Take their advice. Do you have people in your life right now, I'm asking you this question. You is every single person sitting in the room, including myself. I know the answer, but I'm, this is my question to you. Do you have people around you with godly wisdom that you seek counsel in all areas of your life? Because we're never going to reach an age where we're like, I've got it all figured out now. I don't need advice anymore. Do you have someone in your life with good godly counsel before you make decisions? I've been sober a really long time. Went through AA, had a sponsor, a mentor, a guy who spiritually walked me through a change in my life. Let me tell you something funny that he told me. Before you make any decision, you call me and run it by me first. Like, what do you mean? Like, if you feel like, wait, this, I'm, not, I'm not joking. This is funny, right? <laughs> If you feel like waking up on the wrong side of the bed tomorrow, you call me and make sure it's okay first. That's what he told me. That was what he told me. I thought it was funny because it was so true. Because I made bad decisions all the time. I sought no one's counsel. And over a long period of time, I began to make healthy, good decisions. And I always sought counsel. And then eventually I would call him to tell him everything I'd already laid out. 
and how I'd already weighed, you know, I'd already counted the cost before making a decision. And he would say, sounds like you really are starting to understand the way we make good decisions in life, Chris. I said, yeah, I think I'm getting it now. To this day, I still have counsel around me. My counsel right now is Pastor Mark. My counsel right now is some of the council members in this church as we're going to continue. You know, we're going to feed things off each other. We don't just make decisions in life. And I'll tell you who one of my greatest counselors is, is my beautiful wife. Because it's like, you know, now do I always go to my wife? Sometimes no. Sometimes I'm like, I think I got this all figured out. Usually it doesn't go so great for me. So... What happened after Rehoboam made this horrible decision? This is what happens. Don't continue to stray from God. That's bullet point three. Don't continue to stray from God because that's what we do. We're like, oh, I already made this bad choice. I'm going to continue on this path. I'm just going to, you know, I've already made this bad. I've already, I've already got this unhealthy thing going on. And, you know, I'm surviving. I still have my job. I still go to church. I still pay my tithes, my offerings. I'm still doing this. I'm still doing that. Don't continue to stray from God. Solomon built the temple, right? You could take 20 attaboys and ruin it with one bad decision, right? That's what, that's what we do as people, you know? What does that mean, don't continue to stray from God? Well, go to the next slide, Mike. All 20 of the kings of the north did evil in the Lord's sight. Did you know that? Have you ever read through 1 Kings, 2 Kings, and you've read this over and over, and so-and-so did evil in the Lord's sight, and so-and-so did evil in the Lord's sight. Well, let me give you a little history lesson. These 20 kings, they all did evil in the Lord's sight. Not one of them had any reform, because you've read that. You're like, but Chris, I did read that. Yeah, there was reform multiple times. These kings had reform, some of them. Look at what I wrote. Only a few of the 20 in Judah had reform. Only a few. But even so, what happens because they all continue to stray from God? This happened, remember? Exile. Exile with no return. Well, what about the ones that did okay, Chris? You mean the ones that only a few did what was right? And only a few who tried to re-bring re, re up the troops to do the right thing? Here's what happened to them. Exile. Remember this Exile. You're not going to have any gods. I'll throw you in the furnace. And he heated it so many times hotter. And he threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in there. Remember that? This, this, is, the, this is the result, no matter what, for straying from God through one bad decision. And guess what? Unfortunately, it may not even happen to you. It may happen to your children. That's what we saw in this story. You know, David, you loved me. Solomon because your father loved me, I'm going to have this. This is going to happen. But it happened, you know, two generations after. Don't wait until it's too late. I've already given you the dates. That was point, B, uh, point four. Don't wait until it's too late. In 722, the northern tribes of Israel were taken captive and taken into exile in Assyria. And as I told you, nobody's really certain if they ever came back. There is something, I believe, in Chronicles that mentions a couple of the other tribes' names, so there's a possibility. But that's why when you read the story about the Good Samaritan, because if it, if it had been Samaria of Israel, it would have been a little different. But again, those are 20, nation, 20 generations that never did right in God's sight. 
But uh, that's what happens there. So in, and then what happened? In 586 B.C., the southern tribe of Judah was taken into exile for Babylon for 70 years. And they returned. 2 Kings 17.6, we'll start closing it up here. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away to Assyria and placed them in Hala and by the Habor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. 2 Kings 24.14, also he carried into captivity all Jerusalem, all the captains and all the mighty men of valor, 10,000 captives. And all the craftsmen and smiths, none remained except the poorest people of the land. And do you know what happened during 586? So it actually started a few years before, okay? A few years before, the temple had already been destroyed. But in 586 is when all of Jerusalem burned down. That was, that was the demise. And it all started back here with Solomon not following the instructions of the Lord to the letter, and then his son not taking wise counsel. What do we do, Chris? I, I can close it with a simple point because we're just following the I Am David series. What was the difference between Saul's mistakes, Solomon's mistakes, and David's mistakes? David repented. And I love when, God talk, when, when Mark talks about that. You need to repent just as David did because we all live our daily lives and, and there's, like I said, you're not going to go the rest of the day without breaking the Ten Commandments somehow, even if it's a thought in your head. Ooh, I need to call that person, but I don't want to because of this. And then you've already thought of what you're going to lie to say. I mean, it, it's so small, but that's the heart. And it's such a, the heart, it, it's like the tongue. It can, it can lead you in the wrong direction really quick. David repented over Bathsheba, and David repented when taking the census. Saul did not repent, and Solomon did not repent. And Solomon's son Rehoboam, he did not repent. And these 20 kings up here, none of them repented. And they were exiled, never came back, never to be heard from again. Just swallowed up into Assyria. Now, like I said, Assyria eventually was conquered by Babylon, so there's possibility that some of the tribes did come back but they're intermixed now. You know, they were probably intermixed with different races and everything that was going on in that area. You know, and, and we know since they were already doing 20 years of not, 20 generations of not serving God that they had no problem serving the gods in the area they were taken. No problem with that. So next week we're going to talk about, next week we're going to talk about the rebuilding phase. Next week we're going to focus right here. That small dash there. And look at Ezra, Nehemiah. Nehemiah was like a governor. Ezra was the priest. These two men came back and they built, they rebuilt what was going on here and they faced opposition. And we're going to talk about the things that we're going to face when rebuilding. This church, we are in the rebuild. Now, did this church separate and all this because of any of these things? No, I don't know. I don't, I'm not speculating You've, some of you have been here a really long time. I'm not saying that. This church has gone through some change. And we have been obviously, take a look around, stripped down to where the, we're, we're here. Ezra and Nehemiah status. We are rebuilding. This is the rebuild. Amen. Thank you, Kelly. This is where we are going to rebuild. 
And we're going to face opposition. No doubt about it. We're going to face opposition, obstacles, whatever. We're going to face things in our lives outside of this church. But we're going to build. And we're going to rebuild. Amen? There's, because up here something happened and we have the promise of a coming Savior. We have the promise of coming. Well, Chris, it's been 2,000 years. Well, guess what? 2166 to a Christ. Well, now we're 2021. I hope he comes while we're still here. Amen? 2,000 years from Abraham. Now we're 2,000 years after Christ. There's a Savior coming back. That's what we preach here. That Jesus is who he says he was. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Jesus was the promised Messiah. Everything that this all pointed to, pointed to Jesus. And I'm really excited about what God's going to do in the future at this church. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your instruction, Lord. I thank you. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you're preparing our hearts. I thank you for every person in this building, Lord. I thank you for those at home that are watching online. I thank you for Pastor Mark and Jill. I thank you for Foursquare four Regional Area, Lord. I thank you for all the believers in this community, Lord. Lord, there's a revival coming to this area, coming to this church. We speak it. We, we talk about it, Lord. We know it's going to happen, Lord. We believe in you. We're trusting in you. And we're going to keep praying and we're going to keep serving and we're going to keep showing up. And we're going to face the opposition and we are going to rebuild this church on you. You are our foundation. You are our rock. You are the base. And you are the reason we are here. And you are the reason for the upcoming season. I cannot wait. It's my favorite time of the year, Lord. You know that. So, Lord, I just pray over our people. I, I thank you, Lord. Be with us in our daily lives this week. Encourage each one of us to invite somebody to come to church next week. Somebody out there that we're going to come across, Lord, we know, needs to hear about you. So, Lord, I just thank you in advance for what you're going to do. I thank you in advance for the new people that, are going to, that you're going to continue to pour into this fellowship, Lord, as we build a family that wants to serve you. We thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Well, you don't have to go home, and you don't have to leave just yet. Go ahead and fellowship with one another. Thank you for those who have been watching online. We miss you, Mark. We miss you, Jill. And, um, and the church council will have a meeting uh, after church. And there's coffee. There's coffee, hangout, fellowship. Skip's going to put on some beats right now. I know it. And uh, I call it beats. <laughs>